Hello, everyone. Welcome to Thirst for Knowledge, episode 22. I'm your host, Steve, and with me, as always, is Lawrence Harmon. What's up? So it seems like we've got some fun stuff to chat about this week. Uh, Underworld Breach appears to be just as broken as we expected it to be, and people are kind of popping off with it at the current moment, it seems like. Yeah. It's a... it's been a crazy week <laughs> where, you know, we got a bunch of new cards and I think everybody just kind of said, let's, let's play and have fun. So. Yeah. It seems like, um, the challenge was kind of its usual mix of basically cards. People like to play. What is oval chase daredevil? Um, looking at the fifth place list that has, Oh yeah, this was great. Like the, the Echo of Eons deck. There's been... Oh, it's just an Underworld Breach deck. Yep. Oval Chase Daredevil. This is taking a million years to load. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you may return Oval Chase Daredevil from your graveyard to your hand. Oh, this card. It, um, it's the Riddlesmith list, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It pairs well with Riddlesmith to... It pair, yeah, it pairs well with Riddlesmith because you just discard it. Yeah, I mean, yep. this is like one of those things for, you know, there's a lot of different Underworld Breach decks that hit Legacy this week, and this was one of them. This was a, uh, this is Martin, Martin Medmitten, who took fifth place in the challenge, and they were playing just, uh, you know, uh, a crazy cards of, <laughs> I mean, I, there's a lot of stuff. There's like a Caracas in the sideboard, and so it's like, it's a strange you know, shot at a combo deck. Caracas makes sense because of Thalia specifically. Like, There's a lot of zero mana shenanigans going on in this deck. Um, the random one of Narset is like a, I guess a backdoor combo with Echo. Yeah, also finds your combo cards, right? Mm-hmm. Plus it's something you can play off of, um, what's the card? LED. Yeah, uh, it pairs well with... It does work well with LED, but it's just a good card to play against control decks. Even the sixth place list is interesting. Oko, Narset, Mentor, Echo of Eons, Veils. Seems like people are really just trying to push the critical turn to, like, turn two right now. Yeah. And then you just have, like, people playing Delver decks, as usual. Well, there's, like... It's, like, as far as, like, in the challenge, the Underworld... We have one at fifth, one at tenth, and the one at tenth is a um, is more of a storm built version, where it's got like discard and infernal tutors and stuff like that. Uh, this is closer to ant, right? Days ant, one lightning bolt's interesting, but makes sense. One brain freeze, sure, I guess. Uh, I've seen lists with varying numbers. The Lists like what Max Gomore was playing uh, goes way deeper on Brain Free as kind of an engine card. And I think the worry with those lists is uh, just how weak to graveyard hate you are. Uh, Max has two Serenity, two Brazen Bar, but I'm kind of surprised that there's no wear tear in the 75. Well,. I mean, his is, I think Max is looking for more of a hybrid with his list. 
if I remember correctly, because he's got the four mentors and stuff, so he can kind of shift gears and just become like it was like um what was the deck, the Tinfin's decks, you know, shift into a mentor deck, right? Yeah, but they kind of sucked at that. It's more akin to like Omni Show playing young Pyromancer. And he's likely just leaning on Mentor because it's a better card. I find the Seven's Reclamations in these shells interesting. I watched Onrog stream a bit and the card didn't impress me that much, but maybe there's something I'm missing. And Pact or Negation seems stellar in this deck. Um, it's As long as you get Underworld Breach in play before you like crack an LED, Pact gets to... Um, protect you from graveyard hate like surgical effects what so it's kind of just a free thing you can do i think the reclamation is because it's like a backdoor if they if they like disenchant your breach on the stack right because you cast it cast your first spell and they can like decay it disenchant and it can stop your combo and the reclamation kind of like helps you feed into that because even like if the reclamation is in your hand you get it back if it's in the graveyard you get it back in like an led right yeah, I guess. The issue I saw was that Reclamation just cost a bunch of mana. Uh, so it's just this hugely mana-intensive effect that either... But from what I saw, it mostly did nothing. Uh, I get the... It can buy back Breach or whatever. Well, even Teferi, but, um, even Teferi with a slower deck, right? Like, sure. Like that's kind of, to me, hot and frightening at the same time. I think it's likely that... Uh, well, the real reason to play reaches it's three mana and you can flash it back from your graveyard and you can buy back two leds right so like you go led and then crack that led and then you breed you reclamation back led led and that's like a tutor or not a tutor or like a double ritual or whatever yep. um like it's that does that doesn't even do anything though right like it's like plus led mana. zero mana it's led zero mana paying three mana to get back two LEDs, you're not really actually netting anything. That's... So it's it's just a redundancy effect with Underworld Breach in case they get, like, discarded or whatever, I guess. Yeah, I guess it is... Well, it's plus three, right? It's plus three mana? No, it's mana... It's, like, if... So LED zero mana, right? So you just exile three cards. The, what I'm saying is, like... Paying three mana to get six mana doesn't matter because LED is already zero mana. Well, I guess so. It's not like a because it, Cabal Rit style effect or anything. But it saves you on cards for escape, right? Yeah, it technically does. So I think that's like which I think that might be the big thing. I guess that's relevant on some turns where you're kind of going off on a low graveyard if you don't have brain freeze. But from what I saw. Once you have brain freeze going, your graveyard is not like your graveyard counts a non-issue. Um, I imagine it's likely just a way to just have a bit more redundancy in terms of getting breach going. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of does everything your deck wants right now. Like in you know slower states, you can get back it's a fairy if that's been a fight, and you can set up a, a next turn silence effect. Because a lot of times, like, the one Teferi is going to bounce the only threat. And then, you know, set up the next turn to start going off. So, and even if they, like, kill it. Like, if you can pedal, get back to Teferi, get back an LED. Like, they're probably, it's just a miserable time, I think. <clears throat> like, 
I think that like the Teferi, I think the reclamations are really good and interesting. It scares me because like the card has been used primarily in fair shells and is now popping up in different combo turns, combo decks because of all these permanents that are mana or card advantage. So yeah, um, I'm curious to see what happens with these decks going. Uh, I think some of these lists look a little too controlly. Are playing like these more test style decks and. Uh, we saw a list that looks like Ant. We've seen, you know, there have been variations on Black Bait's list. I'm curious to see where people settle. Um, these blue eye red lists seem promising to me, uh, but I, they, they kind of just feel like a Galaxy Brain sneak and show, right? Where your deck kind of does nothing, and then you have enough counter magic to stop your opponent from killing you, and then you just have a combo kill, but now you're just weak to graveyard hate. So well, did you see the twentieth place list? Uh, I've got it posted up there. Three PO's list. It's it's uh it's gonna really blow your mind for a breach deck. This is just Peter Vanderham's list. Is it okay? Yeah, he's been he posted it on Twitter. It's for those who don't know, it's basically Grixis Delver that has um some LEDs and underworld breaches thrown in with like a brain freeze for a combo kill. So this was like to me like wow <laughs> like it feels like a hot pile of mess of cards that you could pull at the wrong time but i i guess if you you pull them in the right order it's probably busted yeah i guess it's interesting to see this list play like silent gravestone at sideboard and two surgicals like i get the gravestone that makes sense to stop opposing surgicals but you also have like a cling to dust which uh, from what max was telling me people are informing him that they are very happy with how cling to dust is playing out uh, in these fair mares which is what he was talking about and feeling like that card was playable i i still i think it makes sense in the fair mares but like graveyard hate to stop things that are more unfair than me not really grind out these fair nile spell bomb so it's not i'm super interested in yeah, I like Cling to Dust um, as well, but I would not want it in my sideboard. It would have to be in my main deck, and if it couldn't fit in my main deck, then I just wouldn't run. Like, I don't, yeah, I'm not... Oh, sorry, what were you saying? I don't like the idea of like bringing it in to answer Graveyard Hate. I don't mind running it in my main deck as like a, a flex card to like draw a card or get rid of hate or gain life or be a mana seek in the late game. Like, that's how I look at the card. Yeah. I'm not surprised to see Clothis and Swaka's deck. I feel like that card could be, like, a reasonable addition to some of these control shales for mirrors, and it makes sense in Swaka's, like, five-color deck that he'd want a pseudo-deathrite shaman or at least something to get. Oh, yeah. I saw it. I saw his name. I said, oh, he's got to be having Clothis, and he, and he had Clothis. I smiled. <laughs> I, yeah. It's like... um. There was also, um, there was a doomsday list with Thassa's Oracle. So yeah, does Max's list not have Oracle? No, he's all in on Grape Shot being the kill card. That's fine. I think as long as you have a secondary kill, be fine. Um, the the doomsday list is playing predict. It's a one of, but those monkeys can't cry, right? Uh, yes. 
Yeah, he avid storm player, and then in his free time likes to play. Um, what is it? Spanish Inquisition. So when you pair against him in leagues, you have no idea, like how relevant Force Will is in your opening hand. Well, this deck was definitely it's a good old fashioned Doomsday deck with Thought Lash, because Thought Lash and Thassa's Oracle is a combo, but not not one that you expect to deal with. So, and a Devastation Tide, Devastation Tide. Think about that on your Doomsday piles. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that does technically bounce, like, LEDs and stuff if you play them out. Yep. Yep. So that's... The sideboard has a Legacy Oscar Divining Witch. Um, I've seen this card in my life. <laughs> Discard a card from your hand, name a card, remove the top six cards of your library from the game, reveal cards from the top of your library until you name card, then put that card into your hand, remove all other cards. Oh, so it's... um. What's the card that Modern Ad Nauseam plays? Oh, I don't know. Spoils of the Vault? Yeah, Spoils it's, of the Vault. Yep. It's like a slower version of Spoils of the Vault that doesn't murder you. Yeah. That seems acceptable, I guess. There's also like Oko's and, you know, there's a transformational sideboard. The Shelldock Isle Plan, Oko's, all kinds of fun nonsense. It's a, it's a neat deck. I don't know how I feel about the number. It's Doomsday, right? Yeah. No, definitely. That is definitely the correct terminology. It is Doomsday. Also, I caught a bit of strife of the stream, and his deck is progressively just turning into four-color one-ofs. He has two cling to dust in the main now. Yeah. Um, which, I don't know. I He also has a Euro in his deck now. His deck... I Like, my biggest issue with his deck is that turn one... It doesn't really do anything. And then... Like, it, it doesn't become a scary thing to play against until, like, turn five. When it can actually start double-spelling. But until then, it just kind of single-spells awkwardly. Yeah. It's got some, like, crazy one of I mean, so I didn't like the Cling to Dust in his deck. Just be he likes to get back cards from his graveyard. And, and, and like, you've got Punishing Fires and, and the new oh. Titan... And then he's also a Dak deck, right? So he's already dumping cards into his yard. So, like, my biggest issue is just it's like here's another arbitrary two, maybe two for one or whatever. It's a cycler, but I don't know. There's so much going on in this deck, and a lot of it is just as possible. And I think that's my issue with it. Yeah, I think he's just going it's like for a, superpower. Like it's superpower, but. It's not efficient and, you know, Legacy can punish Yeah, but it's like superpower by a 2017 Legacy standards, right? Right. And it's just like, it seems like right now everyone's kind of buck wild over Breach and playing like these Astrolabe control decks with all of these like powerful three drops and veils and things seems like to me you'd want some more one drop effects i get moving away from like discard because of veil but it looks like he is down to like one veil of summer himself and an issue thing he even has thought season the board i i just feel like going on well like at the top in the top eight was a a slivers deck and you know i think it was like third or fourth place it took overall that deck's not giving you any time to mess around with that nonsense. 
Like, you know, you can maim, people maim on the sliver deck all they want, but it's not, it's not messing around. You know, it's, it's trying to kill you. So the quad unsettled Mariner deck, uh, doesn't seem that bad when everyone kill con is turned into like grape shot and, um, brain freeze. Yeah. The deck has enough counter spells to be annoying. It has chalice, the void, it has ley line of the void. It has three unsettled Mariner. Like your post board plan against these breach combo decks is to just board in 11 cards and just cut some dorky slivers and you just turn into, you know, step one, ley line and you step two, maybe chalice or whatever, play unsettled Mariner and your opponent's just already under a clock and pressure or a lock piece and a lock piece or two and a potentially very fast clock. So, I mean, if I had a redundant Aether Vial in the sliver deck, I would take it to three, even if the harmonic sliver wasn't a, just to make him think, right? Like that's going to get so much like energy. <laughs> You're just going to put it on three and there's like, they want to cast underworld mm-hmm. breach and start their combo. But then they're looking at the Aether Vial. <laughs> and it's just like, this is, this is an awkward moment, you know? I don't know. That kind of feels like you're Phil Gallaghering it a bit. Just going galaxy brain for the sake of galaxy brain. Like, the way these Slivers decks usually play out, right, is when they're fast, they're so fast that you can't really afford to play around anything. So it's more likely that you either just want to keep your vial on two to, you know, well, I said, have I the if you relevant. Have the, the redundant. If you have the redundant Aether Vial, I think you can do it. Sure, I guess. I don't I don't know, like, why the game would last long enough for two Aether Vials to be relevant. But, yeah, if you had a redundant one, you'd do a two and a three. That's pretty free to do. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you have a play pattern of, like, so you keep a Force of Will hand with an Aether Vial, and it's got a mutual. So, like, a lot of times, like, it ends up becoming, like, you cast your second one just because. It's 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 this awkward thing. I played Slivers a lot because I'm a kid, and the deck is, like, you've got a lot of cards that you don't really want in your main deck against combo decks anyways. Because, like, Plated Sliver, Striking Sliver, Gale Rider Sliver. Like, I mean, Gale Rider Sliver's okay. No, Gale Rider's terrible. It's only Cloud Shredder. Like, so you've got, like, you've got, what, four, six, seven, eight, nine in the top, and then... Your crystalline slivers, you're keeping because they're blue, but some mm-hmm. of your other slivers, you're gonna you're gonna cut. So, post word this deck just turns into Merfolk with like Unsettled Mariner, so you're just better against combo. Yep. Or it's I mean, um, there there was that. There was also a um a stand a, an Oko Landstill deck, and that like killed me. <laughs> I saw that, looked at it like three times, like really, like it was four standstills and Okos. And a, sure, I guess. It was uh, I mean, uh, Delth, Delthar on lands. And you're looking at which, the challenge. Yeah, what strikes thing was Tim Wilde in third place. Bad mana, Six Sanctuary, one of dual lands. Four islands, just stock bad mana. Four color mana. You need a Astrolabe in play for your to like in any way enable your ability to double spell but that's besides the point what i found interesting was three deafening silence three rest in peace and there seems to just kind of be this trend of this top eight where yeah every deck 
in this top eight is either like some degenerate combo deck or some super fair deck that has a bunch of rest in peace and then like lands somehow snuck in. But everything else is uh, these unfair decks that are fast or the fair decks that uh, are like overcompensating, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't mind Tim's mana base myself, but I don't. I If Ghost Quarter came back, then Tim's mana base would probably bite him pretty hard. Like a, a chalice, a chalice ghost quarter deck would like a four color loam would probably crush him, but I didn't see that many. I have issues. I have issues with this mana base, with, especially with Ice Fang Quaddle, because you're so incentivized to get like basic island, basic forest, and then need basic planes, and then you're is like gross and doesn't really work. Like I think this deck puts a lot of stress on Arkham's Astrolabe to function properly. I agree with that. I mean, I, this is the deck I've been playing for a while. I don't. My man is a little bit different. Than him. I have one more tundra, over the fourth island. So, you put that. That's my mana base, and I've been having. I mean, you you're just so redundant. Your deck just cantrips so much. So it's like kind of. I still play on treats. So, you know that. Like I have no double white spells in my decks. So that might be the big difference. I don't know. Like on treats a really good card. I just don't like it personally. That's reasonable. I think I have a Savin's, um, I have a Savin's reclamation in my deck, and that lets me buy backlands. So, and there are times when I when I'm buying backlands with my, it's not where I want to be, but it's like because your you know your planes are so and as far as numbers. You, I, I just don't like the deck's cool, but it's like I don't know. I'm bored with the Astrolabe Snow deck. It's kind of gotten boring, especially with all these hot hot decks in here. Yeah. How about we jump over the PT? Uh, looks like Topher won it. Um, congrats to him. Both he and Edgar Magyash played pretty much stock H.J. Kaiser, Grixis Delver. The rest of the top eight is Tom Hep, and a few other people dated this with his Eldrazi, not Eldrazi, his Hate Bear deck, Esper, the Bara Pile, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um... I mean, there was a lands deck that did well, and it was more of a traditional land. I don't even think it was splashing for Okos or anything. Um, yeah, Tim Schultz. Shout out to Tim. There was the yeah, there was negate there was negator and um, there's just a bunch of you know there's a bunch of cool decks. I'm not sure about some of them. Like I said, like there's the the different Eldrazi decks kind of baffled me a little bit, but maybe the Eldrazi's are smashing fast enough to make the Dredge deck get knocked out right away. Kind of baffled me as well. I guess there's a lot of Leyline of the Void. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of Leylines and Rest and Pieces floating around right now as answer for Breach. But, you know, speaking of niggas, so Moto made this change um, where they functionally have dailies again. They're like prelims or whatever. And in order to play PTQs, you have to have 40 QPs but they decrease the amount of QPs that you get from League. So um, you, let's see, it's 4450, and then nothing below that. So you have to do 10 50s or 24 ones or some mix of those two to get enough QPs, or you have to spike one of these prelim events. <clears throat> and the issue people are having with these prelim events is that like, the idea behind them is that they're scheduled at a bunch of times during the day, so a lot of people have opportunities to play them. 
but what it's ultimately ended up devolving into is like people on Twitter going like, Hey guys, there's a prelim in an hour and it's like 1130 Eastern. And, um, I think that this isn't as big of an issue for other formats, but I think for legacy specifically, uh, there's just been an issue of like people not really being able to keep up with this system. Uh, my understanding is that it's pretty hard to, you know, play the prelims or actually grind enough to uh, have enough of the QPs to play in PTQs and the like. If you, you know, are someone with a job or uh, just, <clears throat> you know, someone who has other responsibilities uh, and can't focus that much time on magic. And Tom mentioned that he won the trophy race uh, for the last season. He said he barely had the 80 uh, uh, QPs needed to play the PTQ last weekend in the show or the showcase playoff this weekend, I guess. So, um, yeah, they're at weird times. I've seen call outs for like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. Like I've seen some weird times where people trying to like get enough people to play it. And it's like, what? Why are they at these weird times? Like, I understand we're a, it's a it's a global you know game now. There's got to be a little bit closer to something in. I get what they're going for. It is awkward. Like, I understand having things on European time zone, but I find it awkward. The change from dailies to leagues was so praised. Right, everyone was so happy when that happened because it was like, oh, I don't have to, you know. If I want to play Magic on a Wednesday, I don't have to stay up until midnight to play a daily, um, which I've done in the past. And it's like not really that enjoyable of an experience. And I, I, I understand why they're doing this, but I, th I, I don't know really what the impetus was to change from the system before where you got format points and then there's the quarterlies and playoffs uh because i don't think they're bringing or they brought that back again for another year i could be wrong and somebody can correct me on that but it seems it seems awkward to take away people's ability to grind uh within the period that their schedule permits and put people in these situations where uh they have to like do, jump through all these hoops, you know. Dan Neely tweeted out that he uh, just barely was able to qualify for the PTQ because he was able to spike one of the prelims. I, I don't letting people pay and buy into the PTQs for an increased amount of play points or tickets seemed like a fine system, and having the quarterlies and format playoffs also seemed like a fine system. Yeah, it's. I mean, I know a lot of people that don't like to play the challenges because they don't get to play, like, at their pace. Like, you're stuck waiting for the tournament and everything. These little premiere events, or whatever they're called, they're just, like, super obnoxious to me. Like, the idea that you have to, like... You have, there are weird times, and then you have to sit around and wait. I mean, and if you're tired, if it's a late, late at night or early in the morning, no matter where you're at, like, it's going to be hard to sit through and play and, and play optimally. So I just don't understand, you know? Yeah. Like I said, I think it's like kind of okay for other formats. It makes sense. There's larger player bases, but the player base for legacy and vintage to the same degree, actually. Um, 
Well, what it is is the system doesn't necessarily reward people who specialize in a singular format, right? Right. Uh, it rewards people who are willing to play across multiple formats and thus are able to play in multiple of these prelims because, to my knowledge, the actual points you get aren't, you know, format locked. Yeah, I think that's correct. If I remember correctly, they're not format locked, which is why you see a lot of uh, people playing in legacy things because, you know, there is a smaller pool of people. You well, it's also just points or points, and right. you just need to grind them out however you can. Um, I don't know. We'll see what will happen. I wouldn't be shocked if the system upholds for a year and then Wizards adjusts again. Uh, right now, what's what does Legacy look like on the docket for us for the rest of the year? Well, there's no GPs coming up uh, for up until the August GPs. I wouldn't be shocked if there's like a legacy tournament at GP Vegas or whatever. Um, and Star City also cut legacy. So it's pretty much just moto and then locally run events like the Buffalo Chicken Dip Open. Yep, that was this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, we, my buddy decided to let me know at the last minute he wanted to go and I was like, all right. And they were sold out. Like there was one spot, but I didn't want to drive up by myself for that long of a trip so yeah he messaged me like friday to see if i wanted to come way short of notice change plans um but i believe he's supposed to come on so we may have a guest uh so i'll reach out to robert and see what he's doing but yeah uh no legacy gps on the docket up until at least august 7th i wouldn't be shocked if like gp vegas is a legacy one and then maybe there will be a japanese legacy gp or european one uh but it is pretty sad to see that uh everything else is just cut uh but you know hoping at least one per region per year at a minimum would be nice i mean i understand like the direction they're taking it i but at the same time like the European one we just had was really big and the standard numbers are really low and even some of the modern ones are really low. So it's like, I don't, I think there was 1100 between the two modern events in the state. They shared the same uh, a couple weekends ago. There was two, there was an open and a GP and I think it was 1100 between the two. So, uh, interesting. Like I, I, you know, people will, at me with I'm wrong but I'm I'm pr- I'm pretty sure the Star City event was really low attendance but also there was a GP well, so are you counting teams or individual players because that was a team event the modern one no yeah Columbus that was a team event oh there was another no, one yeah there was a it was um it was the one where they, it got Oko banned <laughs> that's I it was whatever the one that Oko got banned at um. Oh man, what was that? It j- just happened too. Knoxville. Uh, that sounds correct. I think Knoxville. Um, but yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, Aaron Barrett won this event, and there was a ton of Okos. 
But if I remember correctly, it was like 300 people. But GP Austin happened at the same exact weekend. So I, which I don't even understand how that could be a possibility anymore be, with the fact that there's not events every week. But nobody cares. Like, nobody cares. They're just going to schedule things when they schedule things. And if the SCG just doesn't care anymore. True. I mean, I think they're just in it for the Twitch at this you know. Well, like years ago, there was a period where they would schedule around WotC events because you had like, oh, well, my big name is uh, Brian Brown doing and like BBD would start to go to GPs when those were happening as opposed to, you know, SCGs or whatever. So they started scheduling so that their big names could go to these, you know, WotC run events, but also show up at scg events and now like the scg crowd is so vocally just not giving a fuck about gps and a lot of people just don't give a fuck about gps that it doesn't make sense to tiptoe around wizard schedule you just do shit when you do it like let your nuts hang and if there's a problem somebody else can figure it out because like who cares well i mean i agree especially also, it's like a what a SCG in Knoxville and a GP in Austin. People aren't like you're not losing too many people. Like West Coast people are all gonna go to the GP in Austin, and like very few SCG folks are gonna go fly across to Austin to play the GP. Yeah, like so. Oliver Tomiko did, and he top aided, but like I don't know how many other SCG regulars actually. Yeah, there made the track. So there was there was eight hundred people in Austin. There was three hundred eighty two in SCG. Or, I'm sorry, three hundred eighty two at SCG Knoxville, eight hundred Austin. So you had about eleven hundred something people playing in, you know, modern. But like the European GP was seventeen hundred. It was some obscene number. I know it was, a- it was like sixteen hundred. Okay. Um, what is the like North American legacy GPs, where do those usually sit? They usually sit at like just under a thousand, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. No, they've been pretty yeah. bad since uh, uh, Channel Fireball. T- they've they dropped because they used to get really big. You know, they don't. They're really expensive. You don't get much with that price tag, and then it's a glorified at this point, like a super hard BTQ. The, the spike in Pioneer and Standard and everything. This strikes me as like, hey, let's get the arena crowd and try to get them invested in G. We have a new format. Let's try and get people. Modern has been a staple format for long enough. So it's not a shock that they would neglect Net Legacy to focus on these other formats. Uh, GP attendance has been awkward for Channel Fireball. Watsy has kind of just made like dis kind of heavily disincentivized people to go to gps and then they like tried to re-incentivize people to go to gps but the announcement happened like the day before austin so they just like backpedaled super hard yep yeah it was really and that was really strange right like the way they Mm. they pulled that out like it was just like it's not strange like they've been way more responsive to people screaming at them on twitter and people were like, yo, what the fuck? It's the day before this event. I would have 
you know, scheduled a flight out to this instead of SCG, whatever, so that I could, you know, play this. You know, I, I don't know, I haven't been paying either circuits happenings enough to, I get some information from Twitter, you know, random conversations, but overall it's, I mean, we had like a thousand for GP Atlanta. I think it was just over a thousand. And that was like, you know, I think an inconvenient location, everything else, but we still had a thousand people. So I just don't know. I don't know. I feel like they really can't excuse dropping the format. Like you don't have to give it much. Throw the legacy players one North America one and give them one Euro one and one call it a day, right? Like China, whatever, and just call it a day. Give them and, you know, and respect the fact that it's like a format that's still played. Because, I mean, Modern's numbers aren't great. Standard's numbers are terrible. The standard GPs are really bad. So I just don't, I don't understand it. Because you're, it's, it'd be one thing if you're like, you're, you're excusing it as like a, you're trying to promote your new stuff, but nobody, and right now, like people are having to buy new cards. I mean, there's the new Theros cards here in the Legacy deck dumps and the Pioneer deck dump. So, you know, Wafu Tapo, like crushed with three Dream Trawlers in the sideboard of Blue White Control. And it was amazing. <laughs> Uh, if you're talking about Mr. Foulier, that is Papa. Uh, hold on. In the Pioneer deck dump, I don't have it. Uh, Wafo. I'm pretty sure he won. Oh, Watu? Yeah. Vaguely off the top. Yeah, I think it is. And he's got three Dream I'd have to check with Thomas Mission, but yeah, Dream Trawler. All three of them. Three of them. Why, why settle with with uh, Baneslayer when you can have a non-legendary dr- card-drawing Baneslayer? So, it was amazing. Yeah, the cards messed up. Yeah, it was it was fun. I, I enjoyed his list. I was looking at it a lot. I liked a lot of the cards. But Pioneer's had, um, Pioneer has a Breach deck. Um, it's basically a, a breakfast deck where it just tries to get Thassa's Oracle. With no, with all cards in the graveyard, and no cards in the library, and win the game. But cool, it's fun. You know, Pioneer's got a lot of cool stuff right now. A lot of these new cards are doing well in Pioneer, and they're doing well in Legacy. And we we saw what two Clothis, two Klings, Athassa's Oracle, bunch of Underworld Dreams, or Underworld Breach. So, I mean, Legacy players are. They're buying these cards because they're making all these broken cards. They're buying them, right? Like we're you know we're forced to update and change our meta game. Yeah, um, I don't really know what Watsi is going. Like I said, I think it's a push to bring in the the arena crowd, get them to more paper events, and you know people are hyped about Pioneer and Modern's a staple. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Legacy at a triple gp weekend or double gp weekend or whatever but uh one can only hope that for the latter half of the year they add something and that was the other thing it's not even the latter half it's like the quarter yeah last quarter yeah that was that was the other thing like why did they stop doing those triple gps remember at one point they were doing them all um i imagine those things are just hell to run like it's maybe not a matter of them being 
you know profitable uh profitable it's just a miserable experience to run that many turns i could see more double gp events but well i guess that's what that's what i meant the when they did the doubles yeah. when they had like friday saturday saturday sunday mm-hmm. and those were like firing off and they were doing rather well they were pulling people in there was a read like because if you got if you throw two formats you're gonna get and i don't know maybe it's just like this is just the new norm and get used to it go to go to missouri and play in that gigantic wonderful event i mean there's a lot the of zim at mt yeah thing i think that already sold out it did yeah you, you gotta you gotta get to the next one if you want to go but i want to give a shout out to our patreon we did have a new supporter cody w thank you thank you very much yeah i think that's about it if you want to find us on twitter you can find steve at raceland you can find me at Lawrence Harmon. You can find our editor, uh, Liz, at Ellie of the Veil. Vale, and then the podcast on Twitter, Patreon, uh, is at Thirst for Cast. So have a good night, everyone, or morning, or whenever you're listening. Good night. <laughs>